Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. All right, welcome to the new show. First things first, the intro is sick before we even get to our names. As the intro said, I'm Austin Hartsfield. Dave Kwiatkowski is here with me, my co-host. Dave, how are you? Uh, Awesome. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be a part of Painting Corners, our brand new featured podcast that will be the next big big thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. You're excited about it. We've been waiting on it. We've been waiting to do a show basically by ourselves for a while. But, uh, I mean, I'm I'm pumped. Yeah, we moved on from our former podcast, and we wish them the best, and we moved on, and now we're, we're up here at Painting Corners. We got our new intro, and, you know, this is going to be our thing. We'll be covering the playoffs coming up and during the winter meetings and all the off-season stuff you'll hear from us and next year you'll be hearing from us about once a week for MLB wide stuff and of course you know we're Red Sox fans so we'll be jumping in a little bit Red Sox talk towards the end of episodes when we get into the swing of things for sure. First things first if you are not if you're listening to us and you do not follow the Twitter page what are you doing? It's yeah, something wrong with you. It's at painting corner it's at paint corners pod and uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into the NL because it's starting to get wild. Possibility of a five-team tie at one point. Uh, let's start with the Brewers and Cubs. They might be headed for game 163. It's about to get wild in the Central for sure. Yeah, I mean, they might get to 163 and then have to play the wild card game. So you might see a team lose two one-game playoffs in a row. Which, which is would incredible. Record, right? Yeah, it's wild. Got to be. The NL has been an absolute shit show this year, and I mean, I don't think it's to say the NL is like loaded with talent. I just think the talent's in the AL this year, and the NL is just kind of slacking behind. Yeah, the the talent's 100% in the AL. I mean, you have two 100-win teams already. I mean, the the least talented team in the entire probably American League is uh, Cleveland, and they're still a perennial power at this point. Yeah, they're a legitimate playoff team. They are what, you know, Golden State is in the NBA where they don't have to play in the regular season because you know they're going to perform in the postseason. So that's Cleveland right now. They, they've got the beneficiary of a weaker division, but they can still match up with anybody. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Brewers. First things first. So Milwaukee's only one game back in the loss column of Chicago, which is a yep. pretty big deal because – you know, you wouldn't have to play the wild card game. You would force the Cubs to play in it, and possibility of probably getting the best team in the NL out early. You'd also have home field throughout the playoffs, most likely, yeah. considering you're two games up on the Braves, one game up on the Dodgers right now. Oh, I'm sorry, three games up on the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, so you'd probably get home field too. So the winner of the Central is going to have home field, I think, and the Brewers are a house man that they got. What I, who I think to be the MVP of the NL on their team, and Chicago has the other one. So the Brewers have been hot since the All-Star break. They're hitting absolute bombs every other night, it feels like. They're running up the score, and their pitching's good. I mean, imagine if they could ever get a Kimbrel or a Sale or you know a Kershaw or something like that. They'd be one of the best teams in the, in the whole entire league. Yeah, and you know they have kind of that, that long relief in Hater. Hater's been phenomenal and kind of scuffled down the stretch this year, giving up a couple bombs in big situations. But that Brewers team is a force to be reckoned with for sure. 
St. Louis, I mean, same division, man. That's three teams in that division that can make the playoffs. And they actually have one more game left with Milwaukee before they head to three against the Chicago Cubs. They do close out against the Cubs, a team that I pronounced dead when they were 505, their manager, all of a sudden is 87 and 71. And if they win those four games, they would be half a game out right now. But they would also be beating the Cubs and Milwaukee. So they could easily make the playoffs. They could easily win the division still. I mean, if you sweep the Cubs, which they very well could, they could easily be there. I don't think they make the playoffs this year, but they had some guys underperform in that team. Their outfield underperformed big time to start off the season, and, and that really kind of set them behind. Their pitching staff was amazing this year, but they had some injuries as well, very similar to a L.A. team. They're a great team. They're going to be even better next year. They'll win you know, close to 100 games next year. It's just this year I think they're going to get outperformed just because of their bad start. Right. I mean, you had Matt Carpenter pretty much perform at an MVP level for most of the second half after getting off to a slow start. That uh, that St. St. Louis team actually scares me just because of the fact that they are the Cardinals, and the Cardinals have a knack for performing during the postseason. I mean, the Red Sox have seen them twice in the past 20 years in World Series, so we know that they can get there. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, they have the veterans on the team. You look at Atlanta, they haven't been there in how long? You know, they're a question mark. Milwaukee's a question mark once they get there. The Cubs, you know what you're getting out of them. The Dodgers don't have a closer. The Diamondbacks are out of it. And the Rockies, I mean, are a total question mark because of course field. So, I mean, they're just, if they make it, they got just as good a chance as anybody. Very similar to when the Giants made it to the playoffs the last couple of years. If they get in, they're scary. And the crazy thing is, we cannot stress enough how important, how important it is not to play in the wild card game if you are the Brewers. Like going back to Milwaukee real quick. I mean, home teams in the, first of all, if you're Milwaukee, you don't want to play in the wild card game because first of all, you don't want your fate to be basically set on one game. You would rather throw it in there and have to play five have an ability to at least play five games, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And uh instead of just the one cuz you could have a dud from a pitcher, you could have, you know, the bats go cold. I mean, you don't want to risk that. No, not at all and you don't want to throw away a good season. And, and with them, they don't have a true ace, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't think that Milwaukee has a true ace like you look at other teams. You look at – just look in their division. You look at the Cardinals. They have Milwaukee this year pitching amazing. They have, you know, Martinez, who I think is an ace, a legit ace. The Cubs, they have Lester, Mr. Playoffs. They have Cole Hamels, another Mr. Playoffs. Atlanta has anybody you could throw. The Dodgers have Kershaw. The Rockies have, you know, very similar to the Brewers, but a little bit higher – you know, guys there. So you don't really know what you're going to get, who you're going to throw. And if you end up throwing a big bullpen game, you're setting yourself up to fail in the DS. I mean, you got to get there, of course, but, you know, it's something they want to avoid and, and how good they play down the stretch. You you almost think that they can do it. That, I mean, absolutely. Uh, talking about the Cubs real quick, how on, on a scale of one to five, where do you think that this Cubs team ranks among the five NL playoff teams? Are they the number be- one? Are they, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the most talented team. Like, I think, and it's by far. It's just a matter of is Chris Bryant's wrist healthy? You know, he just got another contusion yesterday after getting hit on the hand. Uh, is Rizzo going to be Anthony Rizzo of old? Is he going to show up? And do you get the pitching to show up and have that bullpen be solid enough to win you some playoff games? Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, Austin, I think that the Dodgers have the most talented team. Right. But they've been played by injuries and bad luck. You know, I, I think pound for pound, 
the Dodgers are probably the most talented team in the whole league. But in the past three years, you know, you know, past three or four years, they've been either winning the division, winning 100 games, making it to the World Series, making it to the LCS, and blowing it because that's what they do. The Cubs, I just think, top to bottom, just not only are they probably the second most talented team right behind the Dodgers and very right behind them, but they, they've done it. They proved it. And they have guys playing at an amazing level. They have Baez playing at a, you know, MVP level. His biggest knock was that he couldn't hit. That was his whole thing. He was going to hit 220, 230, and have some pop. But this year, completely turned it around. He, he kept the pop and added average. Rizzo is Rizzo. Bryant's Bryant. Contreras is one of the better hitting catchers in the whole league. You have Zobris, who lives for the playoffs and absolutely turned this season around. Schwarber, average-wise, never going to hit a lot. But in 133, 133 games this year, Schwarber hit 26 home runs. So easily could have hit 30-plus if he played the other 20-something games. I mean, they're ready to go. Bryant has been out a lot this season. Only he's going to end up playing 100 games around there, but it's still Chris Bryant. So they have an unbelievable team. They also added a guy named Daniel Murphy. They have the pitching staff. They have the bullpen. With Cole Hamels there now, you have legitimate one and two with Lester and Hamels. And just like the Red Sox, you could piece together a third starter with what they have. And I think they're the scariest team. I think they're going to win. I think they're going back to the World Series. I really do. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I don't think that there's anybody – in that, in the NL at least, that matches up talent-wise, and you know the health kind of coincides with that because you know it may if if Corey Seager's healthy for the Dodgers, which he's not obviously, and he won't be probably until maybe April next year. This could be a different story if Jansen was healthy, if guys like that, if Clayton Kershaw was Clayton Kershaw again instead of being the shell of himself that he has been this entire year. It could be a different story, but I mean, I think the Cubs are going to win the NL and. I just don't see anybody that stacks up against them. No, but, it's coming out of the Central. It's them or the Brewers. That's it. Because I don't think Atlanta can do it in the postseason. I, don't, I think the Rockies get a little soft there at the end. The Dodgers just don't have the, the players right now. They're just they're there, but they're not either 100% or they're not on the roster. Like Manny Machado is amazing, and he's perfor- performing arguably better than Seager, right? Right. Like, he's been unreal. But Turner's not himself. Puig's up and down. Bellinger's No been... Jansen. Bellinger was atrocious to start the year. You know, and Dave Roberts is not... He's a great guy. Did everything for the Red Sox. Has done a lot for that team, you know, in the public eye, but he's not that great of a manager. Yeah. So, you know, you just gotta... You gotta give it to the Cubs, I, I think, at this point. And if the Brewers beat them, then the Brewers are taking it because no one's gonna stop them. It's coming out of that division, just like we kind of thought all year in the AL that... It was going to come down to the Red Sox or Yankees making it to the World Series. A little bit different now with the, you know, assurgence of the A's. But, yeah, I think it's coming out of the Central. I think the Central is just loaded. You know, the, the East sucks and the West is dropping off dramatically. The Giants suck, the Padres suck, and the Diamondbacks just couldn't hack it. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies both fell apart late. Teams that, you know, people expected to be there in the end just couldn't cut it. You know, you have guys going out there and getting guys like a Dribble Cabrera if you're Philly and going out and getting Eduardo Escobar trying to make moves and keep up with these teams. But the problem is the Cubs go out there and they get Daniel Murphy, they get Brandon Kinsler, the Dodgers go out and get Manny Machado. They they didn't Brewers get Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope, uh there was one more, wasn't there? Some somebody else. Yeah, but, like Mustakas. Yeah, oh duh, Moose. You know? Yeah. They went out and got the big names. You went out there and tried to go get the Presley move that the Astros made and make the statistical move, but you didn't go out and get somebody big enough. You didn't make the moves that you needed to, and it kind of kind of bit them in the ass in the end. 
Yeah, hundred percent. They're not the Astros. They're not the Red Sox, where they have such a good team already. They need a little improvement. They needed a big improvement, and Milwaukee saw that too. They said, "Listen, we're a really good team, but we can be a great team if we add some big pieces." They went out and got Scope, who's having a really good year, and they got out with with Moose, who you know is having a good year, and you know what you'll get out of him. And you got Travis Shaw still, who Mayor Ding Dong City going to hit thirty plus home runs for you every year. So, you know, they got a big powerhouse hitting team. Uh, shout out to the Brewers GM, by the way, for the offseason that he put together because it's all coming together now. It is. Oh, it's amazing. Yelich, Kane, guys like that. You're putting this together and it's showing up on paper. That doesn't ever happen. Never happens in the first year. Very rarely. I mean, look what the Red Sox did in what was it, 2012 when they went out and got Gonzalez, Beltre, everybody like that, all the big names and tried to put them together and it just didn't work out because of bad yeah, management. Yeah, that, that was 2010 because 2011 yeah. we had that. We had we had it and we blew it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the NL West real quick. I want to talk about the two teams. Uh, we haven't talked about the Rockies a lot because there's really not that much to talk about the Rockies. You have an MVP, perennial MVP candidate, probably going to finish in the top five, maybe the best third baseman in baseball in Nolan Arenado, maybe even on both sides. Uh, he's incredible. Trevor Story's incredible. Guys like that. Trevor Story is actually cleared. He's healthy again. What this Colorado team is only a half game back of the Dodgers. Yep. What what do they have to do in order to beat this Dodger team? Because if they get in, they could be scary. Because Coors Field is a wild card by itself. Yeah, Coors Field's a wild card by themselves. They've had they have a really good bullpen. And it's something that, you know, Wade Davis could win closer of the year. He's had a really good year, and his numbers there have been really good as well, which is something that you, you know, don't see often. Ever. Ever, really, exactly. And there's, they are loaded with talent on the infield. They might have the best infield in baseball, if they, you think about it. They have they, one of the best outfields, too. Yeah, they have Trevor Story, Arenado, and LeMahieu, second, third, second, third short. I mean, that's ridiculous. They have Ian Desmond playing first this year, who... Ian Desmond is just, you know, they can move that contract at some point. Yeah. That would be great. They signed that contract. They they went off his, you know, old stuff that he was doing. He's having a down year this year. Average-wise, having a down year. He has hit 20 home runs, though, and he has stolen 20 bases. But he strikes out a lot. That's his big thing, and he's only hitting 235, but he plays a lot of games, and he's going to be consistent out there. So you know what you're getting out of him. You got everybody else. What do they have to do to beat this team? They've been doing it all year. Just get into a shootout. Just start mashing the ball because they can hit with anybody. I mean, even even their catcher, Chris Iannetta, he hits for power. Desmond hits for power. LeMahieu, Arenado, and Story all hit for power and average. Charlie Black, uh, Blackman, amazing. And you got Parra. You got all these guys out there, good players. But and they've been doing it all year. The X factor for that team is David Dahl. If David Dahl can show up like he has the past couple games, that could be huge for this Rockies team, and they could pass the Dodgers and not only that. But take basically take the chance out of baseball and not have to compete in that one game wild card game against the Brewers, who is not a team that I want to play in the first very first round against a one game playoff. No, absolutely not. The Central's winning that wild card game. Yep. Whether it be the Cubs, whether it be the Brewers, whether it be St. Louis, you know I don't know who's going to make it in there. You know what it's going to be at the end of the day, but you don't want to play in that because you're going to lose it. And right now, you look at it, Milwaukee, Colorado, right now at Milwaukee I think Milwaukee wins that yeah and that's if Colorado even makes it there it might be Milwaukee Cardinals 
the Cardinals are only one game back or half a game back from Colorado for that second wild card spot. So it's interesting for sure. But I think Milwaukee, I mean, I'm sorry, I think Colorado needs to not play in that one game wild card because they would be an absolute wagon to deal with with a couple games in Coors Field because they can take those two games. All they got to do is win one more and winning one on the road with that roster, really easy. Uh, let's talk about just, uh, you know, we're still in the NL here. Let's talk about the Miami Marlins offseason. So they obviously added, they obviously got rid of Giancarlo Stanton. They got rid of Christian Yelich and they got rid of Marcelo Zuna. All three of those guys, if the Cardinals make the playoffs, are going to be in, they're going to be in the playoffs. How crazy is that for a team to not only shed an entire outfield, but have all those guys make the playoffs. And then you have D. Gordon in Seattle, who's not having an awful year. You know, it's video game stuff. You go on to MLB The Show, you load up a franchise mode, and you trade away everybody. And you say, God, they would never give up, you know, Castro and, you know, a couple smaller guys to get rid of that contract. They would never give you, you know, these good prospects for Yelich. But they did in real life because those teams were one piece away from making to be a contender. You look at all those teams. And they were only one piece away to contend. Now, there's a difference between contending and winning 110 games, 105 games, even 100 games. But it got them over the hump. And then you add pieces from there. Look what the Cardinals did. You look at the Brewers, perfect example. They went out and added some free agents. They traded for Yelich. That got them over the hump. And then the trade deadline happened. You look at the Yankees. They needed another power bat. They got him. They got Giancarlo. Boom. There you go. They're over the hump. They made little moves as well. The Marlins did what they needed to do. It's just unorthodox, obviously, in today's you know baseball and all that fun stuff. But they still have pieces to do. And they still have to get rid of JT Realmuto. They still have to move Stalin Castro, who next year makes $11 million. The year after that, he's on a club option, I believe. So, yeah, he is. So, I mean, they still have some pieces to move there as well. They have a good bullpen. You know, they have nothing for starting pitchers. You know, but. We, it's crazy to think they actually moved everybody. And we applaud, you know, we applaud them for doing what they did in the off season. But in reality, Baltimore just did it a little late. Baltimore, Baltimore did the did exact, same thing. Yep, they did it two years too late. And even this year, you could say, beginning, you know, this off season going into it, they should have traded Machado. They should have traded Scope. They should have traded Adam Jones, even though Adam Jones doesn't want to go anywhere because that dude's a loser. <laughs> and and not as a, like a person, just his like he just wants to lose. He doesn't want to try. It's the mentality. He doesn't care. He has a bad mentality. He has a bad attitude. He wants to lose, and that's why he's staying in Baltimore. You could have tried to move, uh, what's his face, Trumbo. And yeah. pitching wise, you could have moved you know a million guys before this, and they would have got a decent haul back for him. And in Machado's case, you would have got back a legit prospect. I mean, look what Brad Hand went for. Yeah, you know, the best catching prospect in baseball. Easily the best catching prospect in baseball. Who is going to start every game next year? And if you play fantasy, pick him up because he's going to back 280 and hit 20 home runs. Over, and th- probably throw out 40 guys. Like, yeah, he's, 100%. he's ridiculous. He's two way. He reminds me a lot of Wilson Contreras. Of course, we're talking about Francisco Mejia. Uh, let's talk about a guy who, this is actually shocking to me. We're kind of out of the wild card teams and the playoff teams right now. Bryce Harper just hit 100 RBIs for the first time in his career. How is that possible for a guy that's won an MVP award and also a guy that we consider or that most people consider to be top-tier talent in the league? Well, it goes to show you that RBIs are not an important stat. They're a nice stat to have, but they're not an important stat because Bryce Harper on a team that is competent and was contending every year, batting in the right spot, would have hit 
120 RBIs on Houston, the Yankees, the Red Sox, Oakland even. But, you know, what does it show you? It shows that Harper can do it, but it also shows that he does it late. And what I mean by that is his years that he's done really good, there's been no pressure on him, I feel like. You know, he did he his MVP year, did they make the playoffs? Was that the year they made the playoffs? I think so. I think so that the, was year they, I think they got swept though. Yeah, so that was the year they made the playoffs and then I think they sat Strasburg that year. Yeah. They so there's that down. year. Yep. So there's that. And then after that, he, you know, has done it in times that they stink. And Bryce Harper's great. Don't get me wrong. He's he's a phenomenal player. Generational. Generational talent for sure. But is he worth three hundred plus million dollars? Yeah, he is, but if you take away his MVP season where he went, he hit 330, had 99 RBIs, 38 doubles, and 42 home runs, 2015, where his war was a 9.9. Unbelievable. You take that away, though. He's hit 270, 274, 273, 243, 319, and 246. That doesn't scream out massive things for me. It doesn't scream out $300 million. It doesn't scream out $300 million. It sounds like he is a Xander Bogart, a Didi Gregorius. Right. Even you look at his doubles and his home runs. 22, 20, 13, 42, 24, 30, 29, 34 doubles. 26, 24, 10, 38 MVP year. 24, 27, 32 this year. He's doing it when it doesn't matter, and he's not hitting for super high average, except for that one year. He's not hitting for, you know, crazy amount of doubles, you know. 30-plus home runs every year. He's only 25 years old, so you think, you know, maybe this is him now. He'll this is bat. insane, by the way, that he's only 25. And that's the thing. He could still get better. You know, he could turn into Mookie Betts and Mike Trout in a couple of years. He goes to a team that has good coaching staffs, good managers. He gets his average up. He doesn't need to hit 320. But if he hits 280 and hits 35 to 45 home runs, and he turns into Carlos Stanton, basically. Yeah. That's his ceiling, I think. It's not a bad ceiling to have either. Not I mean. a bad ceiling at all. I just don't know if he's worth the money on a contending team. Obviously, the Marlins, you know, Padres, they throw money at him. Who cares? They're not contending. A team like Philly and Atlanta, he'd be good for the first couple of years of that contract, but then you got to pay your other guys that are really good. So yep. it's very interesting with Harper. I mean, he turned it around this year. He had an awful start to the year. He had the All-Star game. It juiced him up. The home run derby juiced him up. His average this year is piss poor. Last year he hit great average, you know, hit 29 home runs, had only 27 doubles, 134 hits. So in only 111 games last year, that's his other issue. He's not the most durable guy in the in the, in the league. No. He's played 118, 100, 111 in three seasons. There's 162 games in a year. This year, 155 is the most durable year by far. And he had good results except for the average part. But you got to hit for average if you're gonna hit, if you're gonna get paid 300 million. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. So here's here's a good question. Who's who's worth more in your opinion, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? I think Manny Machado. I think Manny Machado is a generational talent that just been suffered on a bad team. He wasn't the face of baseball growing up. He didn't hit a 600-foot home run in JUCO. He wasn't the, you know, stylish, handsome-looking guy. Not that Manny Machado is an ugly dude. It's just, you know, Bryce Harper, he's got the hair, he's got the beard, he's got the wife, he, you know, all that fun stuff and he was the face of baseball. Manny Machado wasn't, and he's on a shitty team in a shitty area, Baltimore. What good comes out of Baltimore? You know, it's one of the highest, you know, shithole places in the country to live in. And people that live in Baltimore are listening to this, no offense, but, you know, it's like the south side of Chicago. 
not many good things happen. I think there. Baltimore guys get it, though. I think Baltimore guys get it. I mean, South. If they're still watching at this point, they have a little. They they get yeah. it. They get it. Machado, all class. I yep. mean, this year his defense slipped for some odd reason. I don't know why. I think it's just the care factor. Horrendous. His attitude can be questioned. I don't like his attitude at all. But I don't like Harper's attitude either. So, but he's going to bat over 300 every year. He's going to hit 20 to 40 home runs every 25 to 35 every year. And he's going to play. I'm going to assume good defense once he gets in a place he wants to be. Where he I can play. Pay, where he can play short. Where he yeah. wants. Where he wants to be basically. Yeah, but you know what? He hasn't been playing bad third base in uh, in L.A. Nope. And he can play both sides. Harper can only play right. He'd be better off as a DH. Very similar to J.D. Martinez, where he's a good right fielder. He's not a liability out there, but he's not Mookie Betts. He's not Mike Trout. He's not J.D. I mean, J.B.J. So he is better off in a DH role, just like J.D. Martinez. And I would pay Manny Machado $300 million before I pay, pay Bryce Harper because I think Machado has proved it more than Harper. Here's here's the thing with Bryce Harper. You know, we everybody talks about because I think we both agree. Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. Mookie Betts has been the best player this year and you know some of last year, but Mike Trout's been consistently the best player in baseball basically over the past 10 years or since he stepped on a baseball since field. His, since his rookie year, he's been the best player in baseball. Easily. Like I think it's five top 5 MVP finishes, something like that. We we consider Mike Trout and Mookie Betts five tool because yeah. they have the speed, they have the defense, they have everything. Harper's not five tool in my opinion. He's four tool. Yeah. He's one away. And it's that defense slash speed. Pick your choice, right? Yeah. I think Manny Machado's a five tool player. Yep. When he cares. Because he did not care this year and his defense was atrocious. It was awful. But you take him in any other year, defense is good. He has the talent to do it. He has one of the most amazing arms I've ever seen in baseball. Yeah, it's, it's he a makes cannon. throws that don't make sense. Like, you look at Arenado, and you look at uh, what's his face? I'm blanking on his name. Chapman. And, uh, oh, Chapman. Yep. You look at those guys, and those guys are amazing, right? But Machado does it everywhere. He does it at third. He does it at short. Machado's been in the in the coach's box, moving towards the coaching box and throwing guys out. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think he's a five-tool player. I really do. I think that he is unbelievable. And you look at his stats career-wise. It proves it. He's also only 26 years old. He was born in 1992. He's not old. Average-wise, he's been up and down just like Harper. He actually has a higher batting average total than Harper. You know, in, in his career, it's better than Harper. His WAR, pretty good. You know, not bad. Doubles, 51 doubles, 14 in a shortened season, 30, 40, 33. I mean, he hits, it. He hits doubles. Home runs, 30 plus three years in a row, and. Will hit thirty and hit thirty seven this year, so he could hit forty this year realistically. I mean, and he's he he can do it in the playoffs too. He will, I think. So, I think Machado's a five tool player. I think he will he will get big time money, and if he gets three hundred million or close to it, Harper's gonna get four hundred million just because of his name. So, it, one last tidbit before we get onto the NL award races and then jump into the AL. If you haven't looked, if you haven't seen Manny Machado's throw from basically the other side of the coaching box. He made, he made a throw in Baltimore, I forgot who it was against, falling away on the other side of the coaching box and still got the guy out at first. And it wasn't like it was Victor Martinez either. The guy was going the guy was busting it down the line. Incredible throw. Incredible arm talent. We we love Manny Machado. 
Yeah, I hate his attitude, but he's an unbelievable player. And you know what? He got traded a big time trade piece this year. His war, his war in ninety six games in Baltimore is a two point nine. His war in sixty one games in the Dodgers is a two point eight. Jesus, he, he's still doing it. Thirteen home runs in sixty one games, batting almost two seventy. He's doing fine out there. All right, so let's jump into the award races. We're going to start about to start with the small ones. And a reliever of the year is Wade Davis. We both agree on that. That, that one's not even close, unless you yeah. want to include uh, Felipe Romero. Romero can get in the conversation. He just won't win it just because of classic, you know, win, saves, playoff team, all that fun stuff. Wade Davis deserves it, though. Bet on himself completely by leaving a powerhouse Cubs team for a little bit more money to go play in pitcher's hell out there in Colorado. Had a great year and is still having a good year. And if they make the playoffs and don't have to play in that one-game wild card game and you see him, he will continue to play well. He's a legitimate top-10 closer in the league. He's really good. His name gets lost in the shuffle. His velocity has gone down a little bit, but he's a pitcher. He can adjust. He has adjusted. I think he wins it. I, I think it's pretty hands-down. In our Rookie of the Year, this one, again, pretty easy. It's down to two people, and it's pretty much been down to two people since Ozzy Albies kind of fall, fell off. But his teammate has been absolutely everything as advertised and more. Ronald Acuna Jr. is basically the next five-tool player in this league. And the guy behind him and uh, Juan Soto, not that bad either. Both only 20 and 19 years old, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that guy Soto doesn't suck at all, does he? No. Uh, he doesn't, and he's going to be unbelievable. And, you know, it sucks that they didn't go and trade Harper to get another, you know, five-star stud outfielder out there. Because imagine, imagine if they had another guy out there that young. Because you could have traded Harper and got a huge piece back, especially if you traded him at the deadline when you're supposed to. But... Acuna's 20 years old this year. He's a rookie. He's batting 289. He's got 26 home runs. He's got 25 doubles. He's played in only 106 games. That's it. Yeah. And, he's, and he hits leadoffs, leadoff home runs. He's been amazing. He's been on a team that's doing it in the playoffs, which, you know, that doesn't make it him the automatic. You know, Soto has the exact numbers he did. I give it to Soto. But it's the fact that he has pressure on him, and he's still doing it. That's the impressive part. You know, I'm not looking at RBIs. I'm not looking at any of that. I'm looking at pure numbers and pure situation. And it's got to be Acuna. Soto's going to be finished number two, and he's going to get a bunch of votes. And he deserves it as well. But Acuna Jr. is something that the league's going to have to deal with for a long time. He's going to be unbelievable. Ronald Acuna Jr. is a part of the first Braves team to make the playoffs since 1993. That doesn't include Chipper Jones on it. How, how crazy is that? He is going to be better than Chipper Jones. Yeah. And Chipper Jones is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. One of That's the, crazy. One of, the, one of the greatest third basemen of all time. And Acuna yeah. has the talent and the ability to be better, which is incredible. Yeah, he's only 20. I mean, you don't hit your prime until you're 26, 27. Like, Harper isn't in his prime yet. Mike Trout isn't in his prime yet. Mookie Betts isn't in his prime yet. Give those guys two more years, and then you're going to see just – you could see ridiculous numbers. Mike Trout in his prime is not is like is not in his prime is is super scary. By yeah, the way. And, and imagine if he ever gets on a team that has good coaching, or has has, has a real coach. Him. I mean, when Eric Chavez yeah. is his manager next year, we're probably going to see a huge shift in his numbers. Yeah, especially the lineup around him and and the guys getting worse in that team. You plug him in any AL team other than the team he's in now that's in the playoffs. You're looking at 150 RBIs on the Red Sox. He's had Real- he's had overpaid protection his entire career. Yeah. Whether yeah, it be Hamilton, yeah. 
Pujols, guys like that. I mean, they've always been so overpaid. They've always been not good enough, basically to scare them away from Mike Trout. So they just attack Mike. Yeah, I mean, you put him on uh, the Yankees or Red Sox. Just pick an AL East team right there. Put him on the Rays, even. Pick pick like, an NL East team between like you put him on Philly or you put him you know with Reese Hoskins yeah. and Carlos yep. Santana or you know Atlanta with Acuna, Albies, Freeman. I mean, yep. Marquez in there too. Put him at the three. Ciarte, you just it just goes on and on. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about uh, Cy Young. It's I mean I I know Max Scherzer has three hundred strikeouts. I know he's like. The third pitcher, awesome. yeah, he, I know he's the third pitcher to do it in the past what twenty years or something like that. Yeah, like six, sixteen pitcher in the sixteen years, something yeah. like that, something ridiculous, something crazy. But Jacob Degrom has been legendary this year. Yeah, Jacob Degrom is nine and nine right now. He's a five hundred pitcher. It finally will show that winning means nothing when it comes to a pitcher because it's not up to you. Jacob DeGrom, ERA is a 177 in 31 games started. His innings pitch are 209, so he's over 200 pitches, I mean, innings pitch. 259 strikeouts. His whip is below one. And it's, he, it's ridiculous. Little, little tidbit on Jacob DeGrom real quick. He has the best daytime ERA in Major League Baseball history. How incredible is that? Yeah, that's disgusting. That was like Lester a couple years ago when he had the best World Series ERA ever. And yep. in, in minimum, like... He has like 18 innings pitched in the World Series, or 20 pitches, or 20 innings, something like that. But Degrom, Degrom does it all, is the thing, and he's doing it on a bad team with no run support. Like, what was the stat that you had the other day? If if they score if they, what four runs, if they scored four runs in every one of his starts, he would be 30 and 0. 30 and 0. 30 and 0. That that should tell you something. He's got 26 straight outings of less than three three earned runs. The kid's been ridiculous. He's been the bright spot of that Mets rotation that includes the likes of Steven Matz, Zach Wheeler, and Noah Syndergaard. And even included Matt Harvey a couple years ago, who people thought was the brightest of them all. And he's stood out like a sore thumb. People forget that the Mets asked for Xander Bogarts for one-on-one for Harvey. That was the trade. Hey. They look look smart now, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, the Sox do, anyway. I mean... Jade DeGrom, 2014, he won the Rookie of the Year, and he had a really good year that year. Obviously, he was a rookie. 2015, that was the year they went to the World Series, correct? Mm-hmm. He was an All-Star. He finished seventh in the All-Star vote, I mean the Cy Young voting. That year, he had 30 starts, 191 pitches, 205 strikeouts, and a 2.54 ERA. That's a great season. What a Put season. Put it in perspective, this year, a 177 and 31 starts, 12 more innings pitched, and how many more strikeouts? 50 more strikeouts? He has better stats in basically every single category than Justin Verlander had when he won his MVP. Yeah, it's amazing. And and I would put him up for MVP voting. I mean, he's I don't know why he's not. I'm sure he's going to get some get some votes there and I mean, he only gave up 41 runs this year in 31 games. Can you imagine if his oh. record was like 24 and 3? Instead, if it was Rick Porcello, yeah, when he won it, like when he was like twenty, what, and Rick did it with like a three-five ERA. Yeah, I mean his hits per nine is six and a half. That's that's absolutely just ridiculous. It do, it doesn't really make. Do much you have sense. his? Do you have his home runs per nine? Oh yeah, it's a uh, point four. Sheesh. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's point four. Uh, you know his FIP is two point oh three. 
he went on a three-month stretch where he gave up, I think, three home runs the enti- those entire three months. Which, how? He gave up ten home runs all year. Ten the entire year. The entire year. Well, that's that's enough of us gushing over Jacob DeGrom. Don't get me wrong. We love Max Scherzer. But... We do. He's a legend in himself, and he's doing it at an age that he shouldn't be doing it, and he's everything that Chris Sale aspires to be and Corey Kluber when they get older. With better still mechanics. Throw the velocity. Yep, still throw the velocity, still have the off-speed stuff, and still be a gamer at that age. It's incredible. It's a Verlander-type thing. It's a first ballot Hall of, a Hall of Famer-type thing. Scherzer's going first ballot. Verlander's going first ballot. If Chris Sale and DeGrom keep that up, they'll be first ballot. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the MVP real quick. We're not really going to debate. I mean, both of the guys that we have up there deserve it. Uh, go ahead and tell me why you think Christian Yelich should win the MVP. Yeah, well, there you go. Christian Yelich is my guy. But Christian Yelich has come over to a team that he went from a shit team, one of the worst teams, right? If not the worst Probably team. Probably the worst. Last year, for sure. And this year, it's, it's definitely the Orioles, just because they're just all-time yeah. this year. But Christian Yelich this year is batting three twenty one. 33 home runs, 104 RBIs, a 390 OPP. He's hit for two cycles this year. He's almost hit for more. He's doing it in the field. He's played 142 games, so he's played a ton of games. He's slugging. His OPS is almost 1,000. He's got over 30 doubles. He's got seven triples, over 100 RBIs, you know, 21 stolen bases. He's been doing it all on a team that is contending, and he's been doing it. All year, he picked it up for big time after the All-Star break, but 181 hits. He's going to hit 190 hits this year, just a shy under 200. And he's been playing. He's unbelievable. First year in a new team as well, and a team that hasn't really done much you know, playoff bound in a while, right since CC was there, really, was the last time they were a big threat. Yeah. I, I just think he's been amazing. And, and, you know, Austin's guy has also been amazing. And if you asked me halfway through the year at the All-Star break, it would have been Carpenter and you know, who Austin's going to pick. But I think Yelich is there. And if he doesn't win it, he'll finish top two or three, though, in the voting. It'll be close. Oh, He's, he's going to definitely finish top two. I have Javier Baez, and in my opinion, he puts the V in valuable. He's not only played second base this year, but he's played third, and he's played short with the injury situation to guys like Chris Bryant, the domestic violence issue with Addison Russell as of late. He's hitting two ninety two on the year with 34 homers, 110 RBIs from a second baseman. Let's, I mean, that never happens if you're if you're considering second baseman. Also has 21 stolen bases, but the versatility of of, Ad, of not Addison Russell but Javier Baez to play that many positions and probably win a Gold Glove at one of them. He's been phenomenal defensively, and he's been the spark plug that's kept the Cubs afloat while their stars have been out. Yeah, and he's a legitimate star now and. There is no shame if he wins the the MVP of that team of that league, and I don't think anybody would be upset. I don't even think Christian Yelich would be upset. I think he would understand he's just in the same greatness category. But like you said, the versatility is amazing, and when you look at most valuable player, it, it's him as a whole player. And the fact that he can go play Gold Glove defense at anywhere on in the infield, he can probably go play Gold Gold Glove first at defense too. And he's also hitting 300 this year. He has 100 RBIs. He has 30 home runs. Is Yelich? more of a better hitter yeah absolutely but not by much and Baez is a better defender too so I don't think it matters either way which way you go with it you can't be wrong that's for sure yeah yeah so let's go ahead and jump into the AL real quick I think we covered everything in the in the NL uh 
field is set. The field is set plain and simple. I mean, we have our teams. We just don't know who's going to be hosting the wild card game, and we have a pretty good idea of who's going to be hosting the wild card game. It's going to probably be played in New York, uh, and it's probably going to be A's Yankees. So, what do you think about that matchup? I mean, I love it. If I'm, I love it if I'm Oakland. I don't like it if I'm the Yankees. I mean, earlier this year it was going to be Seattle, and everyone's like, "Well, that's going to be an easy Yankee win," and I think it would have been for sure because they're Seattle. Because they're Seattle and they do Seattle things like well this season, which they're not even going to finish third in the wild card. They're going to finish behind Tampa, who, if there were a few more games left in the season, they would be probably playing in the wild card, and either Oakland or the Yankees would be getting out of there. But it'll be in New York, you know. For people that haven't followed us on Twitter or followed me on Twitter or our other podcast, I think Yankee Stadium is an absolute joke, and it's a whiff ballpark. With that being said, both teams play in it, and a team like Oakland that can flat out mash and mash better than the Yankees at this point. No DD, Gary Sanchez sucks. You don't know what Aaron Judge's wrist is going to be like. You basically got Giancarlo right now, and you got what's his face over there, rookie of the year to be maybe Andahar. So. That's all you got there. Oakland's got a ton of guys that are hitting home runs this year. And you look at guys like Chris Davis. I think they're a better team. I think Oakland's going to win it. I really do. And it's not good for Red Sox fans. No, because, because Chris Davis owns the Red Sox. It's just a team that shouldn't be there. They beat us earlier in the year. No hit us. No hit us early in the year with an asterisk next to it. And <laughs> just the Yankees suck at Fenway. And I know that, like, if you go look at the last 120 games, it's even, you know, 60 and 60. I get that. This year, they suck at Fenway. Their bullpen sucks against the Red Sox. Chapman blows against the Red Sox. I'm, and we're not scared of Chapman as a whole between the two of us. You, you can't be. And I don't think the Red Sox are either. They've proved it at this point. Rafael Devers the, isn't. <laughs> Rafael Devers definitely not. I mean, the whole, the whole Oakland bullpen is unbelievable. And they've struggled the past month, which people aren't talking about en- enough. You know, they've been around the same plug as the Red Sox, who... People are saying the Red Sox should, you know, basically just pack it up because their bullpen's so bad. You know, in the last month, Oakland's had around a five ERA for their bullpen, and the Red Sox have had around a four, five as well. So it's right there. Wild cards gonna be played in New York. Oakland wins it though. Uh, real quick on that Oakland bullpen, like we talked about, you talked about how bad they've been in the past, you know, month. You know, you have Trevino struggling, guys like that. Even Familia hasn't been top notch. Before last night. After when leading after seven, they were sixty-eight. No, which is absolutely incredible and speaks wonders about the about the back end guys in that bullpen. Leading after eight, they were seventy-seven and no. And well, Herman hit a walk-off homer against them after a, a, an uncharacteristic uh, Matt Chapman error, and Blake Trinan blew a save that which he never does. Yeah. Two things that don't happen, except for Chapman has had most of his errors against the Red Sox this year, yeah. which is very odd. Just something about playing at Fenway he, he didn't like earlier this year. But, yeah, I mean, all good things come to an end, right? Those streaks do end, and they weren't going to go the next two years without blowing a game like that, or even this year, and they proved it this year, obviously. And, you know, it's scary. They still put up, what, eight runs that game? Yeah. <laughs> they, still, they still put up and mashed. I mean, their bullpen has had their issues, though. People are just ignoring it. They choose to ignore it. They're picking a different narrative, and you know, they're winning games by doing what the Red Sox did, which was score a ton of runs. In their last, like, ten games, they've scored five or six or more a couple times. They scored double digits, like, four times. They won, you know, 10 nothing against the Angels, 21-3 to against the Angels. You know, they put up eight last night. They put up seven against the Mariners the night before. They're putting up runs, and they're still giving up runs, though. And 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get it on the wrap there. They haven't been in the playoffs in a while, and when the last times they've been there, they keep getting knocked out very early. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, real quick question on that wild card game. Who catches for the New York Yankees? I mean, Gary Sanchez has as many pass balls as home runs this year. I mean, anybody but Sanchez, right? It's Romine, like, right? Back I mean, it's got to be Romine. Romine, I mean, Higgy. I mean, you got it. so many guys. I mean, anybody but Sanchez for the sole fact that, like you just said, he doesn't have the home runs this year. He's not hitting. He's not hitting for average. He's not hitting for power. He's barely hitting at all. So why would you even play him? If you need a big pinch hit situation, he can come off the bench. But you don't want him in there for defense. And, I mean, in a wild card game, every single run counts. You could get blown out 22 to nothing in game one and then win the next three in a row in the, in the LDS. But you can't do that in a wild card game. You don't so, get a second chance. You don't get a second chance. They almost blew it last year. They were down 3 nothing after the first inning. They should have lost that game. Real quick, apparently Didi Gregorius is cleared for baseball activities. Uh, so that's that's a little twist. So uh, Yeah, twist on a guy that is cleared doesn't mean he's even yeah, close. Yeah. Right? And it's like Judge. Judge guy, hasn't looked right. No, Judge hasn't looked right. And you're looking at a guy, you're going to play, so say you play Sanchez, sure. You got no defense behind second uh, catcher now. What about shortstop? You know, can this guy throw across the diamond? Is he going to be able to flip these double plays? Perf- is he going to be right? Perfect example is Xander Bogarts last year after he got hit in the hand. Yep, just wasn't the same. And you look what he did this year when he was healthy. Even he got hurt this year. When he was playing as best as he was, he was the best player in baseball when he got hurt. Yeah. Nobody was higher than Bogarts. He came back and continued to play well because he was actually healthy. That ankle was completely healed. His wrist was not completely healed last year. And look at Pedroia the last couple of years when he had his thumb injury. Duke couldn't hold the bat. Go look at any golfer that has a hand or wrist or finger injury. You can't hold the club. You can't do it if you can't hold it. So uh, real quick before we get to the big wigs in this this league, uh, do either team use an opener like Tampa has pretty much all year besides Blake Snell starts? No, I think... The Yankees are going to be very traditional. I think they're going to throw Severino, hopefully get six or seven, and just go to the bullpen. I think Oakland's going to take a Cleveland approach. They're going to, from 2016, they're going to have fears go four, five, six innings, no more than that. And then they're going to start the bullpen brigade. And they're going to, you're going to see all their big guys coming in six, seven, eight, nine. You might see Terry out there for the eighth and ninth. You might see Familia for the seventh. You might see what's his face. I forgot his name right now for the sixth. And you might see Fires go five. Yeah. And I think that's the best bet for them because you get a day off after that, everybody resets, and then you can go back to just traditional stuff during the playoffs. So you can stick to that. They have a bullpen. You can stick to that. The Yankees don't this year. Batantis has been rocky. Chapman's been rocky, and he's not right. You know, Houston is a team you can do that with. The Red Sox. With Stephen Wright, you could now, or Evaldi. Yeah. You honestly could. They won't, though, because they're more of a traditional team. And they've been doing it all year. They got 107 wins going into another game tonight where they have sales starting, so they could easily be at 108. So I don't think they do, but I think they do something a little different. I think the Yankees are going to try and just be the most traditional baseball team you can be. Six for six for Severino, maybe seven. And then, you know, someone like Green or, you know, whoever you want for Robertson. the seventh. And then Robertson. Then you're going to see Batantis. You're going to see Chapman. You hope you'll win it. All right, so Cleveland, real quick. Cleveland is sitting at 88 wins. Still a scary team. You know, it's the guys that are there every year. Like you said, they're basically, in my opinion, they're more like the Cavs to where they can coast, the LeBron Cavs at least, to where they could coast all year. You know, yeah, they, don't, 
they don't have to they don't have to try the entire year. They're going to win their division by 15 games, even clinch before the Red Sox, a Red Sox team that has 105 wins, and it's it's crazy. But uh, what's what's impressive about this Cleveland team, really quick? It's their starting pitching and their lineup. It's not their bullpen anymore. Their bullpen was the scariest thing 2016, 2017. This year, the bullpen sucked to the point they gave up the best catching prospect in baseball, a position that they struggle at, I would say, even though they have Jan Gomes, who hits for power. And actually, he's been hitting for average this year, too. He's having a really good year, but I don't think he's going to hit 20 home runs and bat 270 every year. No. But Jan Gomes is having a great year, don't get me wrong. But they gave up their best pitching, their best prospect for position playing most likely they gave it up for brad hand to pitch the eighth inning andrew miller wasn't right was overworked the last couple years never got healthy they lost a couple pieces and the pieces they kept are getting exposed you know francisco lindor and and jose ramirez have been amazing this year as well as michael brantley finally stayed healthy 139 games batting over 300 good for me i mean he's great and they're starting pitching the first team ever to have four guys with 200 strikeouts i believe crazy Trevor Bauer, you know, has been an average baseball player his entire career until now. Clevenger was, you know, you look at Clevenger's numbers last year, and you're like, you know what, this guy's got good stuff. And you could see him develop, and he's on a team with good coaches and good staff. In a couple of years, he'll be a really, really good three, kind of like what Erod should be. He made leaps and bounds this year. He should. He is what Erod, we want Erod to be in Boston. That's him now. And you got Kluber, who's just a Cy Young candidate every year. So it's their starting pitching in their lineup this year. It's, it's the opposite of what it's been the last couple of years. Their starting pitching has been bad behind, uh, you know, Kluber and Carrasco here and there. But And after that, it fell off huge. They couldn't stay healthy. Their bullpen was there, and they had timely hitting. Everybody's hitting this year for them. The most important player for the Houston Astros in the postseason is blank. Whoever the hell pitches out of the bullpen for them once one of their starters come out. Yeah. Whoever their long reliever is going to be. Everybody on that team can hit. They have Garrett Cole and Verlander as their two big horses. They just need to get to their closers in their bullpen. And it's Ozuna now. And he's good. You know, yeah. obviously noted scumbag. Personal sure. issues aside. Yep. Personal in- issues aside, he's a really good baseball player. They got the ninth inning lockdown. They got to get to him. They like to use a long reliever role. Kind of like how Cleveland did in 2016. McCullers, Morton, one of those guys. Those That's going to be the guy. The time to get to them is in between the starter and the closer. If you can attack that bullpen in between, if you can attack, yeah, if you can attack their bullpen before they get to Ozuna, that's going to be huge because that's the really the only time that they're vulnerable. Yeah, it's similar to Oakland. Once you get to the bullpen, the game's over. And the Yankees, once you get to the bullpen, it's not over. The Red Sox, that's the only time you're going to get the. the hurt them is at the bullpen so you got to get to them early and very similar to oakland the the most important player for the boston red sox this postseason is blank chris sale yeah i was gonna say david price i was gonna say chris sale david price the only reason i say sale is because he gets game one he can go game four or five if you need him right because he you'll see two sale starts you might not see two david price starts i think it's chris sale you know if What's if up? we're talking about guys with a bat in their hand, oh, it's Mookie. It, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, the guy doesn't have a postseason RBI. No, and he hasn't been right in the last couple of years in the playoffs. Just like Pedroia hasn't been, Bogarts hasn't been. The only guys that have been right the past the few years are, are the catchers and the youngins. You know, Devers, Benny, Sandy, and Benintendi. Sandy's had good numbers the last couple of postseasons. Not last year; they won before that though. And 
Benatendi was good his rookie year. Devers was good his rookie year. So Mookie needs to show us why he's the MVP. He needs to deposit at least one in those Crawford boxes in Houston in order to basically set the tone. Whether it's a leadoff home run, whether it's a leadoff double, something. He's going to need to set the tone if they have to play Houston. And he's going to need to set the tone at Fenway uh, game one of the ALDS, no matter who it is. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? The one thing you're going to see out of him and out of this whole Red Sox team, they're going to be taking bags this year. Yep. You look at Alex Cora. You look how many bags they've stolen. Mookie's a 30-30 guy. They forced the oh. Astros to trade for Maldonado, basically. Yeah. Because the Sox getting- ran all over them the first series. Yep. And that was a split in Houston, by the way, for people that forget. So they're going to steal bags, and they have speed on this team. That's the X you factor. Team, you know, they no one noticed yet, yet because they don't watch enough games, and he's been injured, and he's a mystery man. Blake Swihart's one of the fastest guys in the MLB. And he catches... And he catches. You wait and see when you get a pinch runner in the seventh inning fitting, and it's Blake Swihart, and he's going to steal second in two pitches. Your, casu- be- your casual baseball fan is going to be sitting like, why is their catcher out there as a pinch runner? Yep. They're going to say, okay, did they take Sandy out or something? No, they're, they're taking J.D. Martinez out in the eighth? Okay, that's odd. Bla- Blake Swihart's probably faster than Andrew Benintendi. He is faster than Andrew Benintendi. The only guy faster than Swihart in this team is Mookie. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And Benatendi's fast. JBJ's fast. And then you have that like lower, that next tier with like, which is Lynn. Pope and Lynn, those guys that are quick. I think I would so put get... Lynn in the top tier too. Yeah, I think so too. Fast kid. Yeah, he's quick. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty. I mean, let's go ahead and jump to the awards. Let's blow through these real quick. Uh, just give me a brief explanation. Rookie of the year. Shohei Otani having UCLs or having Tommy John surgery next uh, next week, not pitching next year. Is he the rookie of the year? Um, it's him or Andujar. It's in him or Andujar. I think it's him. Yeah, he did I it really on both. Do. He did it both sides of the plate. Yeah, if he sucked pitching this year, I would have said it's Andujar all day. But not only was he a good hitter, he was a great pitcher too. And injuries aside. Andahar's been great this year, but you know I, I think it's Otani, and I think it should be. I think he deserves it. I wouldn't be mad, just like with the Baez and Yelich thing. If Andahar gets, he deserves it. He hit what twenty-eight home runs, yeah, close the to only, in New York. The only person in the race that I don't think should get is Glaber Torres, and no, he's no, a no, distant third. He's a distant third because he spent more time on the DL than Otani, and Andahar has been better in every category. Right. So if you're gonna give it to somebody other than Otani, you give it to Andahar. I think it's Otani strictly because of what he did on both sides of the ball. And to be honest, Otani needs to go to another team or get a better manager. If he was on Tampa, Oakland, the Red Sox, or Houston, he would be opening games every other day and hitting fourth. Uh, The AL uh, Mariano Rivera award winner is... is it is it Trinan or is it... Trinan, sorry. No, is it Trinan or is it Diaz? I think it's Trinan. I think, I think it's a coin flip, honestly. I think it's a coin flip too. I think he's. I think he did what Arietta did when he won the Cy Young a few years ago, mm-hmm. where he came out of the break and shut it down, stole it. I think that's what he did this time. Right. I mean, Edwin Diaz has fifty six saves on the year. I mean, I don't think anybody's even been that close since maybe a Trevor Hoffman Gagne? year. Gagne, yeah. Gagne, 
Yeah, him or Hoffman, right? I think Gagne had close to 61 year, right? I think Pebblebon, I think, had 50-something one year or something. Something crazy he, like that. He must have had high 50s. Cause, yeah. Because Kimbrell's got like 42 right now, and he's, he's approaching some records. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's one of those two. You can't go wrong with either closer in the AL West. I mean, if Ozuna played the whole year, he could even be in the conversation, but he didn't. Craig Kimbrell's had an awesome year, you know, despite what yeah, most people think. And he's not even pretty much in the race. It's down to the no, two guys in the AL West. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. We've already talked about rookie of the year. We've already talked about uh, uh, reliever of the year. Cy Young, Snell, Kluber, Sale, or one of the closers? Or Verlander. Or Verlander, yeah. Most career, most strikeouts in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think Kluber or Verlander gets it. I mean, I I would still give it to Sale, Sale or Snell. I think it's hard. Uh, to, it's hard to give it to Sale without that ERA title. Yes, it is hard to do that. The writers, and, the writers won't do it either. No, and I think Verlander gets it this year, and I'm not going to be upset with it. Between his age, the ERA obviously fell off from a one four that it was at one point this year, but obviously we knew that was gonna. It you wouldn't know. surprise me if Blake Snell got it, and I think he's actually going to. I think he deserves it, to be honest. Once you pass that 20-win milestone, right, that's when the eyes are on you. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And he's he's done it all this year, I mean, and done it with without a lot without a ton of offense, you know, with all that chaos going on around him. I mean, he's the, really the only true starting pitcher on that team. Yeah, the only thing with him is his innings. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. But he's twenty one and five with a point nine six whip and a one nine ERA yeah. in one hundred and seventy five innings. I mean, that should be Verlander enough. Verlander has two hundred and eight, and Kluber has two hundred and ten. That's only one or two starts behind, right? He's, he's going to win the ERA title. He's going to win. Yep. Tw- he's already won twenty games, and he has a whip under one, right? Yeah, the only guy with the lower whip is Verlander by point five, point oh five. So I think Snell's the AL, AL Cy Young. Uh, and we're going to blow through AL MVP because it's over. It is. Yeah, it's over. The, it's, it's Mookie Betts 1, and it's going to be J.D. Martinez 2, and it's going to be Lindor or Ramirez 3. Mo- Mookie, Betts, Mookie Betts ended it whenever he he hit that home run against the Yankees to go up 11-6. to six, yes. Or whatever yep. it was. That was his uh, 30th home run of the year. Stole you 30 know, bags at, as of today. Yeah, I mean, he's just... He has 178 hits. He has 47 doubles, 32 home runs, 80 RBIs out of the leadoff spot, 30 stolen bases, under 100 strikeouts, 79 walks, a 3.46 ERA, yep, at average, a 10.7 WAR, over 1,000 OPS, over 600 slugging. I mean, he's number one in every category, pretty much. There's there's never going to be a year that Mike Trout doesn't finish top five in MVP. Because even no. as quiet as as he's been this year, he's still going to finish top five. Well, yeah, and he should. He's had a great year. Mookie Betts is third in the league in doubles, out of the leadoff spot. He is out of the leadoff spot at just, out of the leadoff spot. just yeah. to make sure that people realize that. Oh yeah, I mean home runs. He has thirty two of them, out of the leadoff spot again. Yeah. You know that's just ridiculous. Average wise, he's number one in the league. Eighty something RBIs, right? Eighty on the dot, I think. Uh, OPS, he's second. War, he's first. Slugging, he is first. Wow. I mean, he's just everywhere. He's I going. Mean, I, I heard a stat on ESPN. He's going to be the first guy since Joe Morgan to be five nine or shorter and lead the league in slugging. 
Yeah. Also, that was league-wide, those numbers. Yeah. That wasn't Jesus. just AL. That's, yeah, that's league-wide. It's like AL, are, like AL walks, he is seventh with Jeez. 79. I mean, he's just everywhere. Well, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, let's go ahead and give Pete who we think uh, is going to win the AL and the NL. I have Cubs Red Sox. I have Cubs Sox. Yeah. And if it's not that, it's going to be Bruins Cubs, yeah. Astros. Yeah. Brewers Astros. Yeah, definitely. Those are my that's kind of. I mean, that should be the mindset for pretty much anybody. I don't see Atlanta coming out. I don't see one of the NL West teams coming out. I mean, the Dodgers don't have that heart this year. No, they don't have the heart or the players. And I mean, you could say maybe uh, maybe a team surprises you like Cleveland or yeah. Oakland, but I still think Houston would beat those guys out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I guess I should introduce our guest. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you introduce it's... our first guest? Something we're going to try to be doing more and more next year as we get you know baseball season back you know away. We want to try and have more guests. We want to try more baseball minds on this podcast, and we have our first one today. Yeah, I mean, just more baseball minds, more people around baseball, different perspectives. Like today, we're going to get a perspective from behind the plate. I mean, the guy that we actually have on as a guest, former number one catching prospect in the nation coming out of high school, former University of Texas catcher, and actually current San Diego Padres catching prospect, a lot like Francisco Mejia doing it at a lower level right now just because it's his first year um michael Cantu is our guest and we hope that y'all enjoy the interview all right michael first of all thank you for coming on we both really appreciate you being the first guest it's awesome to have a uh, former texas longhorn and current mlb prospect on yeah it's uh great to be here thank you for guys uh for taking the time and, and uh uh Thinking of me, so uh, glad to be on here. No yeah, problem. of course. We want to get a baseball guy, and you are a baseball guy through and through. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So you were a really highly touted recruit in high school, uh, number one catching prospect coming out of high school, according to Baseball America. What was that like, and what made you choose Texas? I mean, uh, growing up in Texas, you always want to play for Texas. So uh, it, there really wasn't much thought in what other schools. Uh, I wanted to go to it was it was always Texas so um, it, it, it was it was fun because I played for a great high school and, and, and a great uh, and Moody down here at Corpus so I mean we played in front of a lot of fans so going from there to, to Texas was I wouldn't say an easy transition but it was more bearable knowing that uh, you know the, there's such a great following in, in Moody High School here in Corpus and with the Texas Longhorns so uh, I mean I would always tell, uh, you know, my friends, I was like, Texas is Texas, and, and that's why I went there. So. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you played for Augie. You know, we lost Augie this year. Can you give us a sense of what it was like to be around and play for him? You know, Augie's a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of uh, figure that I was so blessed and lucky to be around for two years, his last two years at Texas. And uh, we became really good friends real uh real close and and uh it's 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 hard it's hard to, to put into words what what he meant to texas what he meant to college baseball uh but he was just a, such a great mentor and uh you know i've learned so much just you know thinking back on things he says i'll jot them down and, and that way i don't forget them but it's uh 
it's, it's awesome because anywhere I go, you know, now that I'm, I'm in minor league baseball, they always ask, how was it playing for Augie? And I said, he hasn't changed. You know, he's, he was the same guy that you saw in, in, in the videos on YouTube and the same caring and loving guy that, that, that was there for you no matter what. So, um, he was uh, he was definitely something special, and and just to have him as a, just to say that I got to play for the best ever was uh, is something I'll definitely cherish and and never take for granted. Pretty yeah, that's not everything he sounds to be, and I mean it's it's great to hear that from a former player about a legend, right? Because you never know you might have guys that get you know upset here and there, but you know you never heard a bad thing, and that and that's great to hear and. You said growing up, you know, watching a legend being from Texas. Did you mold your game after anybody growing up? No. Well, um, you know, growing up, I was a big, uh, I, I liked Pudge. But I just remember watching uh, Cameron Rupp. I, I, I went and watched Cameron Rupp in the College World Series. Uh, and I just remember him, you know, he, I think he hit a ball over the hitter's eye. Yeah. In and, and, and the, and the College World Series. And, and I just... If he was a big burly guy like me. I, I looked at, I looked after uh, T Guardian. I liked, I liked, uh, 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 I watched him growing up. But Texas wise, it was always guys like that. You know, Cameron Rupp was one of the guys that I, I looked at. But major league wise, I always looked to to Pudge, and you look to the Yachties and and, and guys like that. But uh, oh, definitely, Cam Rupp was a big one for me. All right, we have two more Longhorn questions, and then we'll get to the you know being a major leaguer. Uh, what was your favorite moment as a Texas Longhorn, and was it that home run in Corpus Christi against Texas A and M Corpus Christi? <laughs> Absolutely, that you you nailed it right on the bottom. Um, that was such a cool experience, just coming down, you know. And I played in Waterbury Field uh, all throughout high school. I, Beautiful field. I played against, oh, it's it's such a great ballpark and. and they do such a good job with it, and, and it, it just uh, it, it sent chills down your spine, you know, to uh, to do it at home in your hometown, in front of all your friends and family, and and getting the curtain call and going out there and just sort of soaking it in. It was um, and that I mean that my junior year was sort of the turning point to my season. Where after that, I sort of turned it on and, and finished off strong throughout. Uh, the rest of the season, but that was uh, definitely something. Uh, even now, being in Corpus, people will sit and, and say, "Hey, I was at that game. I, I remember that game, and uh, that was so cool to be a part of it." And so, it, it just uh, you know, a hometown boy making it out of Corpus and playing for the University of Texas—it's something special down here. All right, last Longhorn question. We're both Red Sox fans, so can you give gotcha. us a sense of what Red Sox fans can expect from your boy Chase Sugar? Chase is such a bulldog. He is—he <laughs> was one of my favorite guys to just compete with and, and to catch. He's got such a, a fire in him that that's that you don't see in guys. You know, uh, sometimes you you got guys that you know are so mellow and and uh, and they keep their emotions to themselves, but Chase. He is such a competitor, and he's so, such a fiery uh, a player that he's so fun to watch. And and I had so much fun playing with him. And, and I I think the sky's the limit for him because he's got electric stuff. He's not 
on the physical standpoint, he's not big. He's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't blow you away in those, uh, in those aspects, but he gets on the mound and, and he's every bit of 94 to 96 and, and just, he, he, he believes he's the best there is. And, and that's, uh, I'm so excited to watch him grow and, and, and be in pro ball with that, uh, I just really hope I don't face him, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's everything we need to hear as a Red Sox fan. I Sounds mean, like Chris Sale. Like, yeah, right? You know the absolutely. Marshall, yes. and It seems like he's got the the attitude and the mentality to handle it, which is awesome mm-hmm. to keep that here. So, you're, you're a catcher, and yes. everybody knows that there's certain specific sports positions that are everyone has a little bit of different tune goalies in lacrosse and hockey catchers in baseball it's you guys are a different animal what was the biggest adjustment from college to the pro level base as a catcher um you know i wouldn't say it was an easy transition um but there's a definitely a, a big language barrier uh between you know the americans and the latins uh, and that was something that I really adjusted to. It wasn't so much on the playing aspect of it because I felt like I was very prepared uh, coming out of Texas. I, I mean, for two years I had Skip Johnson, which we still keep in contact today, who really taught me, you know, how to call games and, and what to look for. And, and when he was there, guys, you know, like Brandon Workman would come down, who was with the Red Sox. And Lester was there when he was with the Reds, uh, Red Sox. And so I think... Uh, there's one more. Um, he, uh, he was playing for the Cubs. I'll, I'll remember his name. Uh, but there were guys like, like that that came down and, and sort of just shed your knowledge on it. So for me, calling games and, and the tempo of, of the pro baseball, uh, in pro baseball, it, it wasn't very much different from Texas. I think for me, like, I would go to Spanish class when I was, you know, in pro ball just to get to know my pitchers better and that's that's one thing i think was not tough but a challenge uh was getting to know your pitchers and learning that language barrier learning how to speak a different language and and getting them to trust you and and having that sort of camaraderie because that's a big it's um you don't realize how big of a relationship uh you have with someone until it, it matters until you're and you know, the ninth inning and it's loud and, and you got to make sure you're on the same page. But as far as like game wise, uh, tempo and the speed, uh, it, it wasn't very much different from, from Texas. I mean, it's a wooden bat, but I mean, baseball is baseball. And then the other guy I was thinking of was Lackey, John Lackey. There you go. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, he, he would come down and I caught his bullpens many times and, and, and just having guys like that, being at Texas, guys come back. You have big leaguers. You got Houston Street coming down, and I, mean, I, I just remember I had I had uh, lunch with Houston Street in our dining hall, and we just talked. And and guys like Roger Clemens, it's sort of like they they prepare you for for what's to come. And so when you get there, it's you know it's a different animal. You're getting paid to play, but it's it's baseball, and it doesn't change much. You know, we yeah. we really don't think of the language barrier, but it's hard to have a mound visit when you don't speak the same language. Exactly, and now with the, the we have limited mound visits now. Uh, I know in the MILB, there, I think it's ten. You get ten mound visits, which we never use them, but we make sure to to, 
to to save them. But it's 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 more difficult than I than I thought. And I knew I said, you know what? Being a Hispanic from South Texas, I don't know Spanish, and shame on me. Um, we think we know Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> yes, my, my my parents speak Spanish. My 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 grandparents speak Spanish. So for me, it was like you know I need to. Uh, to get on this, if I want to be, if I want Latin guys to pitch to me, to want to pitch to me, I got to be able to communicate with them. And uh, it's something you, I didn't, I didn't realize was a, a, a real. I thought I could get by with it, right? Um, but you don't realize it until you get there, and you have young Latin kids who are just phenomenal on the mound, and you have to know how to handle them. So you were actually transferring out of Texas your senior year. You were supposed to go to Tarleton State, correct? And go play with yes, your sir. brother. Yes. But then you got a call that would change your life from the Padres organization. How was? How did that feel? That was. Uh, that was incredible. That was. Um, you know, it was a. I think it was like a Wednesday night. I got a call from the Padres. You know, they they were talking, and we we negotiated. You know, some some things, and I think I. I said, let me sleep on it. I took Thursday to think about it, and then I flew out Friday morning. Uh, Crazy, and it was that quick. It was that quick, and it was uh, it was definitely something that I wasn't expecting, and it sort of just threw itself in front of me. And I was like, "Well, there it is. That, that's what I wanted." And and, and uh, I was blessed that they took a chance on me and and and, and trusted me to you know be in that such a great organization. I mean, it's the MIOB. It's the top organization in Major League Baseball. So. Uh, so it's just, uh, it was crazy, and uh, it was, uh, it's still a blessing. I count my blessings every day. Uh, that's awesome, Aaron. I mean, you seem to really, really appreciate that, and I think, you know, coming from, you know, the spotlight that you've been in your whole life, the fact that you still appreciate a shot like this just kind of shows the type of guy that you are, and it shows how big of a deal it is to get signed, get drafted, or, or move up in the leagues. It doesn't matter how you get there, as long as you get there, and with that being said, my, my last question for you is, kind of leading into that, it's this major league grind. You hear, you know, the federal government wants to get involved with wages, and, you know, you hear about the bus trips. And, you know, I've had buddies of mine get drafted and play in high A and single A and double A. And, you know, I've had buddies put on the bus at double A and get, and get put back down. Is this grind as bad as people make it out to be? Or is it something that people like to say it's hard? It, it is a grind. It is tough. And, it, I mean, you're driving bus rides, you know, eight hours at a time. And the best, because people always ask me that. That's a common question we ask people. And, and I'll always tell them, you know, I have buddies who got drafted uh, this year uh, who signed. And, and I just tell them, you have to love what you do. I said, because if you don't love every bit of, of eight-hour bus rides and waking up or or driving through the night having a, a, a five o'clock game the next day. If you don't absolutely love the game of baseball, it will eat you alive. And it, it's not for everybody. And some people get there and they figure out like, man, this is this is a lot different. It's not as uh, as as awesome as everybody thinks it is, you know, because, you know, there are still people that sit there and think, you know, oh, he's playing baseball, he's living a life. It, there's a lot more to it than than just uh, 
going out there and, and playing under the lights. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, but that's that's the way I would put it. Is if you don't absolutely love this game and you don't want to be the best and you don't, because there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that's making it the major leagues. And the major league grind is a lot different than the MILB grind, the minor league grind. And uh, if you don't absolutely love what you do, if you don't absolutely love waking up every day and going in and putting work and, and getting better, even when you don't feel like it, um, that's that that's one thing that Augie always told me. He goes, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you have to be able to, to separate, you know, being tired and being you know, bruised up and you got bumps and bruises here and there to, to that's what separates people from, from making it to the big leagues. Because there's a lot of guys that are in the big leagues that everyone counted off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's guys that, that you never think, man, he's in the big leagues now. But oh, yeah, because but... they, they love the grind. They, they embrace it. They embrace the grind. They love what they do. And I promise you, a day, uh, a day playing baseball for me is a day is better than any other day anywhere else. And so, uh, I, I really, I, I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful that I get to to play professional baseball as a living. That's that's my job, and that's something I don't take for granted. And and uh, it is a grind. It is, and there's times where it's tough and you're hurting. And you're on the back end of a two-week road trip, and you're living out of a suitcase, and you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> and and you you're reminded that this is what you wanted to do your entire life. This is uh this is why uh, you play the game. This is because there's a lot of people who would kill to be where I'm at, and there's a lot of people that would kill for the opportunity to go play in low A or high A. Um, but it's a it's a grind. It definitely is. But it's the best kind of grind that that, that I want to be a part of. So. <laughs> well, we have one more question for you. Then we'll let you go. Uh, go for it. And who do you think is going to play in the World Series and win it? I don't know. I I, I like the A's. Oh God! Don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> I like the A's. But you know, um, I'm a real. I like the Red Sox. But I know. Um, I don't know them, but. My, I'm real good friends with one of uh, my buddies who's Brock Holt and him are really close. They're real tight. And so uh, he's got me tickets when I've gone up there. Uh, and and so uh, we keep in touch, me and my buddy, because him and Brock Holt are super tight and they're good friends because he's from Texas. TCU um, kid. Yeah. Uh, and so um, you, I always like to see the Red Sox do well. I like, I like watching... Uh, I'm a big, uh, what's his name? What's the cat? You know, catcher name Vasquez? Yeah. yeah. I'm a big Vasquez fan. I really like uh, watching him catch. I mean, it's always fun to watch Mookie and, 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 and those guys go out there and play because they can hit. And then JD, I just love, I can sit there and watch that guy hit all day. It's a clinic. Uh, he's, he's so good. And it's, you, you listen to guys like that, and it's like, shoot, you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, he's strong. He, coming from, like, a, you know, I always tell my dad, I was like, you had guys, you know, the Astros gave up on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
they they gave up on him. And, and he is like absolutely tearing up Major League Baseball. And it's like, man, he makes it look so easy. Um, but I like an underdog. I like the underdog. I like. I mean, I don't think the Red Sox are underdogs, but no, no, no. That's a great pick. I mean, Oakland. Yeah. They don't, it's a hot they don't team. There and they're playing well. They got good manager. They got. You know, obviously the Coliseum's crazy when it's loaded. Yeah, exactly. I can see them winning it all and with that bullpen. It, it makes sense. Exactly, but I mean, shoot, you never know because the the, the best team in baseball. I, I can't remember when the best team in baseball won the World Series. It never you know happens. I mean? Like the the yeah, 2016 really Cubs are the last like, team, but before that, it like the 07 Red Sox maybe. I yeah. think in the like 10 years it's been the 07 Red Sox the 09 Yankees and the 2016 Cubs other than that it's been yeah. either you know the Giants in their wild card years or Houston yes. who never won it last year and had exactly it's never who you think it is and it's like that in all sports really besides basketball that number one seed rarely wins it and this year like the same Red Sox team struggled and you know it seems like Oakland and the Brewers and the Cubs are they're, they're ready to go they are, they are. But, I mean, and I think, you know, it's a testament to, like, uh, to the Red Sox, how they, they struggled. They looked bad for a while in the beginning. And yeah. it was like, ooh. And they sort of pulled it together. So I think they've got a, they've worked through a lot of, uh, through a lot of adversity to, to, to really put together a good run. So I know uh, that'll be, that'll be fun. It's always fun to watch the Red Sox in postseason baseball. So, yes, sir. You know how that goes. Well, Michael, we really appreciate you talking to us. This has been awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Thank yeah, you for all the help, too. We'll be looking absolutely. for you. Uh, hopefully next year we can have you on when you're crushing it and when you move up to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. No problem. Thanks, Michael. Take care, guys. Yeah.